0: Namo tasa Bhagavato Arhato Sama Sambudassa Namo tasa Bhagavato Arhato sambudhasam Namo tasa bhagavato arhato sam budhasam Buddhang dhammang sanghang namassami <clears throat> oh, We customarily uh, begin
1: dhamma talks in this way um paying respects to the Buddha Dhamma, and Sangha, Buddha Dhamma Sangha Namasami. means uh, uh, I pay my respects to the, the Buddha Dhamma, and Sangha, and uh, every uh, every puja that we do, every um, uh, say morning and evening, as we have the, the the time for the the chanting, these these ceremonies, they're they're all built around this uh, gestures of uh, these gestures of respect and uh, reverence um, to the uh, the triple gem, to Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, and so it's it's helpful to consider you know, what is it that we are placing uh, uh, so centrally. Why why do we give these qualities such a uh, a very obvious and dramatic central position? Like you know the the Buddha image sort of the highest thing in the room, right in the middle. Yeah, we all. Uh, point towards it and uh, uh, bow and uh, direct our um, our chanting, our sort of devotional attitudes uh, towards uh, towards the shrine. And uh, on one level, you know, this is a, a, a set of customs and uh, practices that uh, say um, reflect our kind of use uh, and our participation in Theravada Buddhist tradition. And these are the, sort of the customs and forms that are used in Theravada places and in the, the Buddhist world generally. But it's also uh, helpful to consider, you know, what what are the Buddha, what are the Dhamma, what are the Sangha, that they are given such central places in, in our lives. Why do we give that such emphasis and and over and over again, we are paying our respects and remembering to, to use this as the, the the centerpiece of our attention. Now, even though many of us have uh, been around Buddhist teachings and Buddhist practice for a long time, many, many uh, years, decades, uh, and uh, these can be familiar reflections, it's... Uh, it's rather like oxygen, yeah. It's just, uh, like breathing, yeah, same old, same old. In breath, out breath. You know, <laughs> done that before. <laughs> we're we're uh, we're quite glad to to make use of of uh, the the cycle of the breath, yeah, even though it's the same oxygen and and the effect it has on the body. It's the sort of same old thing. <laughs> uh, yes, it's the same old thing, and yes, we, we know uh, how that works, but also. It's a, a, a lifeline, a, a life source. And so similarly, even though we might have um say reflected on Buddha Dhamma and Sangha in the past, or we might have heard explanations of various kinds in the past, uh and uh the 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 thinking mind can relate to it as oh, oh yes, well I, you know, I know this. This is this is familiar territory, yeah. Same old thing. <laughs> I know what's coming. Uh it's uh, it's remarkable how um even though on one level it's it's the same old thing that uh when we bring attention to these uh considerations and to to explore to investigate what these words mean what they refer to then uh, it, it can open up whole extra layer, layers of uh, insight and uh, can reveal uh, habits of attachment and clinging that we didn't even realize were there and can help to uh, awaken the mind to a greater freedom. Uh, I've often been struck how, in, in, in former years, when Lumpur Sumato would say, uh, make comments like, You know, I just like to spend the rest of my life chanting Namu yes. <laughs> So, you know, I can't think of anything more pleasant to do than just. Yeah, just to sit all day and just chant Namu Tasa, Bhagavato, Arahato, Samma, So the rational mind might think, well, once you've done it, you know, a couple of times. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know what it says, but why would you do that? The um. Buddha Dhamma and Sangha—they they work together as a uh, a single unit. When we do the the chanting, you'll notice how in, when we do the English version, it, it's very uh, obvious um, where it says uh, we say um, uh, the um, for me there is no other refuge. So you chanting uh, about the Buddha, and you say for me there is no other refuge. The, the Buddha is my excellent refuge. The Dhamma is uh, for me. There is no other refuge. The Dhamma uh, is my excellent refuge. For me, there is no other refuge. The Sangha, so that you know that uh, the words are saying there is no other refuge. But then, right there, you're you're referring to different ones. So that right in that instance points to the fact that they are, in a sense, three facets of the same jewel. We call it the the triple gem or the you know or the three jewels. But in, in a way, they are three facets of the same jewel, the same fundamental quality. And uh, one of the ways that I like to uh, reflect on these is to, to use a symbolism of, uh, of something like water to, to compare the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha to. So the, um, the Dhamma, to start in, in start in the middle, Dhamma is, means uh, the, the Buddha's teaching. like uh, When we are uh, referring to the, the Buddha's words, his wisdom, the, the words of the Tipitaka, the, the Dhamma teachings, the, the monastic rules of the Vinaya, the Abhidhamma. This is all the uh, 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 the words that the the, um, the term Dhamma refers to. Uh, but also, Dhamma means uh, uh, reality. It means uh, it means truth. Uh, literally, it comes from the 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 the, uh, the root is "dur," which means to to hold or to support. So, dhamma is um, that which that's which up upholds that which supports that which is the in a sense the fabric of reality that which uh, uh, which is the the basis that which is uh, the uh, the support for our lives the support for all existence. So, taking refuge in Dhamma is uh, on one level, it's say, choosing to be guided by the Buddha's teachings, choosing to be, um, uh, say, taking the framework of, of the Buddha's teachings as our, um, say, the, the template for understanding our, our life and our mind, our, our world. Um, but the, uh, the, the term refuge is uh, referring to that which is a safe place it's a it's a genuine quality of security so remembering some words is not is not uh, a security remembering the words of the dhamma even if you can remember you can recite the whole Tipitaka. even that comprehensive uh, a memory or that knowledge of words that's a uh, um the 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 words themselves are not a refuge but rather it's the the reality Itself, the the truth of the way things are, that fundamental uh, fabric of existence, uh, the, fa- the fabric, the substance of reality, that is the that's what the the refuge is, the truth of how things are, the the uh, the ultimate reality of things. And when you talk about Dhamma, it can seem a bit vague, but uh, uh, and that because you you have to use this these um terms that uh, can sort of point to it but can't describe it exactly so when the buddha's uh, describing the qualities of, of the dhamma then you have these terms like uh, sanditiko akaliko ehipasiko apparent here and now timeless encouraging investigation it doesn't, doesn't give you a lot to chew on does it <laughs> uh, so the, the thinking mind can go well, well what is it you know, <laughs> what is it but uh it uh, it's intrinsically hard to define because uh, the ultimate nature of things is beyond the the sense world. It's it they say when uh, you try to say well what is what can you imagine that is unborn, unconditioned, uncreated, unformed? The, the thinking mind, the imagination, just uh, sort of stumbles over its own feet, and you know, the jaw sort of drops open. Well, it's uh uh. uh. <laughs> you can't create an image other than just you know empty space maybe so it's hard to to come up with a uh, for the imagination to conjure up an image but in terms of comparing it to, to water then i think you know, i like to consider this as sort of dhamma is the substance is the, the fundamental fabric of things so that you can say that in comparing the the triple gem to water then it's the 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 actuality of h2o of hydrogen and oxygen joined together and so that's the very fabric of what water is that's that's what makes uh, uh, the the substance of water is uh, the electrons and uh, protons and neutrons um, that uh, form oxygen and hydrogen joining together to, to be h2o and that that's what makes water so the the dhamma is the, the very fabric of reality the, the substance of reality and uh, so that's the, the, the fundamental nature of mind, uh, of the physical world, the the, the mental world of uh, of all things. That uh, if you the, the uh, uh, that which upholds, that which is the integrating uh, sort of organic integrating principle of of the universe and the very substance of, of mind, the very substance of, of life. Then uh, the Buddha, the Buddha uh, arises from the Dhamma, just as the the, the Buddha arose in the world, um, was, uh, uh, say, uh, arose from uh, being born as a bodhisattva um, and was awakened, Siddhartha Gotama. taking refuge in the Buddha is then, therefore, the um Looking towards the Gautama Buddha as a teacher, as the guide, you know, the one who is the sort of exemplar and um, uh, the establisher of this tradition. So, taking refuge in the Buddha is, say, looking to this individual, this being who is uh, extraordinarily wise and compassionate, kind, and um, extraordinarily skilled as a, as a teacher, learning how to communicate and convey uh, subtle and um, very useful qualities to an extraordinary range of people over an extraordinary range of, of topics the, the most uh, accomplished of, of teachers and the clarifier of spiritual principles so taking refuge in Buddha is on, on one level it's respecting Gautama Buddha and uh, the, the uh, teaching that he brought into the world the example of his own life, his own liberation, his uh, total enlightenment and attunement to Dhamma, uh, you know, the trusting that the the Buddha, uh, being fully enlightened, had brought his his life, his mind, and uh, his being so f- completely into accord with Dhamma that, in a way, uh, uh, an enlightened being like the like the Buddha is, in a, in a, in a sense, is the the Dhamma made manifest. You know, and there's one or two places in the in the Sutras where where uh, yeah, the Buddha is. Uh, people say of the Buddha, you know, he is the Dhamma. <laughs> yeah. So taking refuge in Buddha is respecting uh, the the individual, the great teacher, the establisher of of uh, this uh, uh, this tradition as uh, as a, sort of the noblest and uh, and finest of, of human beings. But again, just like the words of the Tripitaka are not a refuge, they just they just words. The um, of uh, of the the Buddha himself, uh, Lumbhuchar would often say, you know, the Buddha who lived two and a half thousand years ago, you know, he, uh, that uh, he he's gone, you know, he's he's not around anymore, <laughs> and so uh, you can have the memory of him, or you can have the idea of him, but the memory and an idea, you know, they are not really a refuge but uh, what buddha means uh, as many of you will know uh, it comes from the root bud which means to to be awake buddhi uh, to to be awake to be aware uh, i was in russia recently and um, teaching a 10 day retreat and uh, apparently in russian language maybe there's some russian speakers here that the the word for to wake up like waking up in the morning is is budhi but uh, they have exactly the same word in their own language like wake up yeah, buddhi, <laughs> with, the, with the correct Russian grammar, of course, but uh, it's uh, it's to awaken, to to go from the state of uh, of sleep and to uh, an unconsciousness and unclarity to wakefulness, to knowing, to awareness. And so, this was a, a theme that uh, Lompo Cha would stress uh, very very often: is that uh, to take refuge in Buddha is not just to to bow to the shrine or to revere Gautama Buddha as a teacher. But what is the safe place um, is uh, what makes the, that a refuge is the quality of awareness, the quality of knowing, the, the, the capacity that our, our heart, our mind has to, to be awake, to, to know, to be aware. And uh, just as when the heart is in accord with, with Dhamma, when it is in tune with reality, there's a, a fundamental harmony Uh, that we experience in an absence of of dukkha and a a security. Similarly, when the the heart is is in accord with reality, then there's a a, a clear awareness of the way things are, so that uh, the the Buddha arises from the Dhamma, that this quality of knowing is an attribute of that fundamental uh, nature of things. So you can say that the Buddha arises from the Dhamma. uh, So if the Dhamma is the substance, then the Buddha is the function. That the primary attribute of dhamma is wakefulness. That uh, when the heart is is in tune with its own nature, when the heart is uh, awake to its own nature, awakens to uh, the uh, the reality of its own nature, and that uh, there is a clear and total uh, awareness uh, of how things are then uh, again there's this quality of of uh, of harmony of integration of of uh, security stability that's it's a safe place just as when there is um uh, a a firmly established quality of awareness within us then whether we are aware of of happiness or unhappiness uh, pleasure or pain praise or criticism then the, that uh, awareness remains unconfused like in in vipassana meditation, insight meditation, this is geared very much to developing the stability of of knowing, the stability of awareness, whereby we can experience uh, a pleasant feeling, and it's known as a, a a some something sweet, something pleasant, arising and passing away. We can experience a an unpleasant experience, uh, a painful memory or a, a painful sensation in the body, and it's known just as a a painful quality arising and passing away just like images appearing and disappearing in a mirror the mirror is utterly uh, undisturbed by the the images the the patterns that appear in the mirror they can be beautiful or ugly uh, uh, novel or familiar they can be you know, colorful or bland that the mirror just reflects without any kind of disturbance and without any kind of confusion it's, uh, it's utterly uh, untroubled or unexcited by what it reflects. So, similarly, when the, when the heart has truly taken refuge in Buddha, is truly being that, that awareness, then whatever arises, whether it's um, pleasant or painful, whether it's, um, uh, say, familiar or unfamiliar, whether it uh, um, uh, has qualities of, uh, of happiness or unhappiness, then there's a a, a wonderful and complete equanimity, a serenity, that their heart is completely undisturbed by the the, uh, effects of praise or criticism, by the uh, the experiences of happiness and unhappiness, gain and loss, uh, pleasure and pain. That They're they're still known, the feelings are still there, but the heart is is completely uh, balanced and uh, is untroubled, unconfused by the presence of those qualities so refuge in buddha means uh, that uh, that stability of awareness that wonderful uh, clear openness that the heart can receive all experiences without uh, uh, without trouble without difficulty the Lumpur sumedha i remember very um uh, years and years ago when someone was asking him about um uh, uh, what, what it was like to live with Ajahn Chah and uh, how he um, uh, impressed him as a teacher. One of the comments that he made was, he said, y- "You you could really you could really feel you would feel that uh, you could be in a room with Ajahn Chah and a bomb would go off, and it wouldn't bother him. <laughs> He'd obviously know that a bomb had gone off, but uh, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't disturb him. It wouldn't he wouldn't blink, <laughs> but uh, he would be." Uh, uh, utterly you know, untroubled by that, and even though that might seem a bit extreme, and that it's a a you know that uh, um, uh, you know, then you think, oh come on, you know at least he'd blink. <laughs> but uh, I, I was just very struck when when Lompofomato said that yeah, years, I mean, uh, 25, 30 years ago. Yeah, you could you could tell that he was really speaking from his heart. He was saying that that was the feeling of being around Lumpur Char. Like nothing would throw him off balance. And uh, I remember Jack Cornfield was um, a Dharma teacher in America who was a, a monk with Ajahn Chah in the late sixties, just just after Lumpur sameto had arrived there. A couple of years later, Jack Cornfield and another American uh, also um, joined them at, at the Wat Bapong. And uh, one time, uh, Ajahn Chah was going to visit this branch monastery down near the Cambodian border, and there's this uh, road through the hills um, down to the, the, the through the borderlands to this this branch monastery. And uh, Jack Cornfield was in this little pickup truck, and uh, um, there was the three of them in the front seat. So there was Ajahn Chah and Jack Cornfield, and then the driver. The you know the two monks in in the front, and then uh, I think a number of of lay people in, in the back going down to visit this branch monastery, and uh, the the driver was extremely reckless, and um, well Jack Jack's description of it was that he became convinced that the driver had a death wish, and they were herring around these these very precipitous mountain roads with this enormous drop off the edge, and uh, completely blind corners, and this fellow just screeching around. Yeah, one after another, after another, and so Jack said that he sat there the whole time thinking, "We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die." And uh, he kept looking over to Ajahn Chah to see if he was reacting, <laughs> and he just sort of sat there looking out the out of the the the, the windscreen. And uh, to their uh, amazement, or to Jack's amazement, they finally arrived at the. They got through the hills and arrived at their, their destination, um, and they uh, pulled up and. And uh, he had seen along the way that actually Chah was holding onto his seat. <laughs> there was a certain whiteness in his knuckles, you know. And the, but he just turned around to him and said, "Scary ride, huh?" <laughs> well, the Thai equivalent of the, that, that, that. That there they were, literally, you know, herring uh, you know, around these mountain bends and uh, you know, death, sort of, right, uh, right there with this somewhat deranged driver. And never knowing if there's going to be a lorry coming towards them as they came round a bend and, and having nowhere to 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 go but um yeah you know, the the that quality of of uh imperturbability that uh someone like a uh, ajan a great being like him who's truly taking knows how to take refuge <laughs> is fully with that experience, but it is not troubled by it it's not uh thrown off balance by that. So, if, uh, so then, then, um, the, uh, if, if, uh, Dhamma represents the substance, like uh, the, the fabric of, of water, and then, uh, the, the quality of Buddha, uh, represents the function, how water works, the, the fluidity of water, its attributes, its, how it freezes, how it boils, how it, uh, how it flows, uh, the, the kind of patterns, um, the the or the, the the uh sort of nature that uh, of the forms that it it takes and how they work, the fact that it freezes at zero and boils at a hundred and so on, that's the uh, the function. And then when the when the uh so and then the relationship of that to Sangha, taking refuge in Sangha again when we do the chanting the it has this somewhat mysterious phrase, um the the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings. It's one of those things people say, Who are these four pairs? you know <laughs> Uh, what you know, eight kinds of noble beings? It's like uh, like Noah's Ark, or what? Yeah. Who who are these? Uh, who are the four pairs? And the uh, it's not that mysterious, really. It's it's talking about the different levels of enlightenment. So you have uh, for the first level in enlightenment is called stream entry, and then the next one is uh, uh, the a level of being a once-returner, and then the next level is a non-returner, and then the the fourth level is that of of arahant or fully enlightened, and so uh, the uh, the pairs are that uh, it's referring to being on the path to stream entry and then having arrived at stream entry. So that's the first pair. Then on the path to being a once returner and then having arrived at being a once returner. So they each have the the pairs are on the way to and having arrived at each of those four stages. So that the the sangha that is a, a refuge on the the human plane is those who have. They reach those levels of realization. So these are trusty, trustworthy spiritual companions. Those whom we can look to as a good example, as uh, helpful and uh, good spiritual friends. Those who can help us and who can be um, uh, guides and uh, say so, uh, so those who can teach and can support us in our spiritual efforts with uh, great reliability. But again, um, you know, on one level, that uh, having such people around is a refuge. It's, it's ha- helpful to have that. But it's also um, that's not always accessible to us. You know, if you're back in your your um, you know, your room trying to meditate late in the, in the evening, or, or um, you're uh, back in your your home in your your flat or your house, and uh, that uh, you might think, well, I haven't got any. I haven't got any anigamis here. (laughs) There's no non-return, no no stream entries in this house, so I haven't got a refuge. You know, there's uh, where's my refuge in sangha. So that uh, again, just as uh, Buddha and Dhamma have an internal quality uh, that is, in 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 a sense, the 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 real refuge, the the internal quality of sangha is the the capacity that we have to. Uh, to be uh, unselfish, the capacity that we have to harmonise with others, the capacity that we have to live virtuously, to to bring our actions and our speech into accord with, with dhamma, so that uh, if uh, if the dhamma is the substance and then the Buddha is the function, then sangha is the manifestation. So when the the the, the mind that is aware sees the way things are that takes shape as harmonious and noble action and speech in the world. That's it, to sort of put it into a, a, an easy package. So when the, the wisdom mind, when the Buddha sees the Dhamma, what results is the Sangha. When the, the wisdom mind, the, with that quality of awareness, sees how things are, then what comes forth? What, what uh, results from that is action that is uh, skillful and wholesome and unselfish and uh, appropriate the time and place and situation. So the refuge in sangha uh, internally is that uh, uh, that uh, say the capacity to 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 let go of self concern, to let go of the habits of um, uh, identification and uh, and attachment, to let go of those, and to be able to attune. To the, the the situation, the people that we're with, the other beings that are around, and to live uh, in an unselfish way and live in accordance, in in a harmony with with others. So that's how the, these uh, say the this quality of manifestation. Sangha, the 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 root of the word sangha means together. sung like as in sankara or um, uh, the, um, or sangvasa. You know, these uh, these uh, words that have the root "sung" in S-A-N with a dot means uh, that which is joined or unified, compounded, things which are brought together. So the Sangha is uh, the unified assembly, different parts joined together in a, a unified and, and harmonious way. So refuge in Sangha uh, as an internal refuge, which is always here, uh, which is always available to us, just like the quality of wisdom, is always available, and the fundamental nature of reality is always available. It's always here. It can't go anywhere else. So similarly, that capacity to uh, to be unselfish is always here. To to let go of self concern and self centered attitudes, that capacity is is always here. And uh, a refuge is a safe place. There is that quality of of uh, of protection, of inviolability, of of stability, and so that in, similarly when um when the heart is established in unselfishness when we let go of self-concern then uh yeah we can't lose anything <laughs> uh, then if we're not thinking in self-centered terms then uh we can't be uh we we can't be harmed or we can't be um say, we can't say be diminished uh because there's the, the mind is not in a, in a state of, of, uh, of owning anything. There's no delusion of, of being the owner or the controller or the, uh, or they say the, um, uh, identifying with the, the material world. You know, again, these are, these are things to reflect on and to consider and they're not, they're not terribly easy to talk about. But it's like, like Bob Dylan put it, if you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose. You've got nothing, you've got nothing to lose. So, that uh, if, if the mind lets go of possessiveness, of the feeling of ownership of I and me and mine, then who's there to lose anything? Who's there to get anything? <laughs> it's like, can you own the Dhamma? It's like, you know, like the sky belongs to me. You know, I, I, you know, I, I am the. Uh, you can't. It's just a meaningless statement, isn't it? To say the sky belongs to me or, or Dhamma belongs to me. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. It has no, no meaning and so that when we take refuge in sangha it's letting go of that whole way of thinking that we can own anything we can have anything or we can lose anything yeah. and that uh, it's a a different way of of uh, seeing uh, our our own lives so that uh, that uh, that capacity is always here and when we uh, when we choose to uh, let go of self concern when we choose to to be awake when we choose to bring our, our life in accordance with uh with reality then there is a security there's a stability there's a a steadiness there there that's why there it's called the refuge yeah it's a safe place it has that quality of of um of strength and durability and uh this is why these um these principles, we we uh, speak of them and refer to them over and over again, and the the, the chanting and the, the paying of respects uh, uh, are always around these three qualities. Because in a sense, if we uh, establish this as as the the focus of our, of our attention, where and we reconfigure our lives so that rather than thinking of you know I am this person, I am Ajahn Amaro, I am uh so many years old and i have this I'm british well, well actually i have two passports <laughs> i'm british and american and so i'm so uh, and i was born in in kent and this is who i am we identify with these personal characteristics and think of you know that's who and what we are so to um to recognize well that's just one version of the story that's one particular um sort of set of conventional realities but we uh, we don't have to to hold on to that we don't have to cling to that as as being anything absolute and that uh, taking refuge in, in buddha and dhamma and sangha is in a sense um reconfiguring the the way that we see what we are or what we see as being fundamentally real and what is uh trustworthy what is of true value because they're also called the three jewels and a jewel is something that is is precious it's uh, something that has a natural beauty to it. It's something that is durable. It has a, a strength. A jewel has a great uh, material strength. And it has a quality of symmetry. So that there's a, a book that uh, Aldous Huxley wrote many years ago called uh, Why Are Precious Stones Precious? And he, he explores some of these, these reflections about why we love jewels or why jewels are precious to us as human beings. And I I suspect uh, this is very much why the the Buddha used the the term the Tiratana, the three jewels, because of these um, same qualities that there are there there in Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha that are reflected in the nature of a jewel. They are valuable, they are beautiful, they are strong, they have a a symmetry and a a, a durability to them. So that as we uh, remember how to take refuge, we remember to take refuge, and we uh, remember to be awake, we, we remember to, uh, to uh, see the way things are, we remember to let go of self-concern, then, in a sense, we are, are um, able to appreciate the, 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 the value and the beauty of the, the jewels, the, the, the triple gem that's always here, that which we uh, overlook and, and forget about. In a sense of just rewriting our life or re- reconfiguring you know, who we think we are, and that uh, can, uh, and just remembering that uh, this name, this personality, this uh, address, this, this, this life story, that's uh, only part of the picture, and that as we, as we bow, as we chant, as we take refuge in the, in the, the moment-to-moment spiritual training, we're expanding. The the view we're, we're broadening the view of of who and what we are. We're letting go of the habits of of self view of Sakaya Ditti, we're, We'd say letting the vision broaden and become more expansive, more encompassing, and so that we we see that the you know, the dhamma is the fundamental reality, not Ajahn Amaro, <laughs> or, the, or the you know this person who was born in this particular place, and and that. Uh, that's our more our origin, our source, uh, the source of our life is not Mister. and Mrs. Horner in in Kent fifty, nearly fifty six years ago, but the, the our source, our, our origin is is the Dhamma itself. And uh, one of the ways that that stream entry is talked about, uh, entering the stream, that uh, the reaching of the first level of enlightenment is called the change of lineage. Change of lineage, the Gotrabhu uh, consciousness. Uh, the Buddha says it's like a, a change of lineage, and what that means is that at the at stream entry, you recognise. Well, okay, uh, Pat and Tom Horner were the parents of this. This uh, they were the, the 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 physical origin of uh, of this body and this life. And without without uh, Mr and Mrs Horner coming together, then I wouldn't be here as as, as in physical form. But uh, when you consider, uh, we look with insight at our at our body, our mind, and we say in these uh, reflections on on uh, on not self that uh, we'll be you know, looking at during this time to consider that you know, the body is not self, feelings are not self, perceptions are not self, mental formations are not self. So uh, consciousness is not self. So if these things are not self, then um, if the body is not self then um what what does that say about Mr. and Mrs Horner <laughs> that uh, if that's uh, if the body uh, is is not self, if that's not fundamentally who and what we are, then um uh, it puts the our physical parents into a bit of a different perspective. if you follow my logic. <laughs> So that rather than thinking, oh, my my parents are my origin, my source, they're they're where I I came from, the change of lineage is is that uh, shift of of vision to recognize, oh, well, that's where the body came from, but uh, the source of reality is actually the Dhamma itself. So the lineage is recognizing, the change of lineage is is seeing that the Dhamma is where we come from rather than our our physical parents and the grandparents and great-grandparents and and so on. That... uh, in a more real and complete and profound way our source our origin uh, is the dhamma itself hence differently line- a change of lineage and this isn't just you know pasting that over as a nice idea i think oh that sounds good yeah i like that idea especially if you have a difficult relationship with your parents but uh, it's more that w- what is a stream entry uh, that uh, it's actually Recognizing that that's always been the case, it's not that that the, the others, you know, that the, your physical parents they were your real parents, and then they're getting demoted. <laughs> but it's more that all along, you know, our real source, our real origin, our real fabric of our being, our life, our mind, the the essence of of mind itself, the essence of of life was always the Dhamma, but we were just been uh, taken in. Uh, by the superficialities and the the common um, understanding that you know the the common view of uh, of where we come from and, and and you know who we are on a conventional level as being we just mistakenly take that as the whole story, but stream entry and that and what why it's called a a change of lineage or the breakthrough it's like a radical change of vision it's like recognizing oh oh. <laughs> Oh, that was, that's not what was happening at all. That, uh, that, uh, that changes everything. So it's rather like, um, seeing the solution to a, uh, a a, a, a puzzle or, um, or, uh, say, finding out that, um, you know, you thought you were the, the owner of a, of a particular house or you were, um, uh, you know, that, uh, you've been told, oh, this belongs to you, and then you, you find out, oh, I <laughs> know it didn't. Or the other way around, you can think uh, you know, that you uh, uh, suddenly find out that you are the, the owner of a house that's been yours for years and years, it's been yours for your whole life, but uh, the, the title deeds didn't make it into your hands until this you know, fat envelope arrives on your, on your doormat. So, oh, look, <laughs> look what I'm the owner of. So that... Uh, it's uh, more of that nature that uh, you, we don't realize that the Dhamma is our our fundamental source, our, our fundamental nature, because uh, we we haven't been bringing our attention to that. We haven't understood that. We haven't considered that. But the the, the breakthrough is recognizing. Uh, oh, oh, oh! This is uh, this changes everything. This makes uh, all the difference in the world. This is. Uh, this alters the picture in a radical and complete way. So then, the finishing that that uh, that uh, analogy with with water, then if uh, Dhamma is the substance, and then the uh, and Buddha is the the function, then Sangha is the manifestation. So then, uh, so that uh, that is that what water looks like in in and uh, its appearance. How it how it uh, takes shape in the world, either as uh, as clouds or as as liquid water, or as ice or as snow, or all the different various forms that, that water can take shape. That uh, that uh, that uh, uh, is how they all fit together. So that the Dhamma is the substance, Buddha is the function. Sangha is the manifestation. When the, the, the mind that is aware sees the way things are, then how that manifests in the world is, is Sangha. It comes forth as harmonious and noble action and speech. Now, during the, the course of today, it's, um, we've been here uh, one whole day together. And uh, it, it might be um, very striking to you just how long a single day can be. <laughs> I know many of you are old timers. You know the uh, uh, people have been doing retreats for many, many years, and it's uh, familiar territory. But uh, I'm sure it still can be very striking when uh, you, you say coming to, together this evening, and and me saying those words. You know, we, we've we've been together for one day, and just on hearing that, we can think. One day? No, it must be more than that. It can't. It can't just be one day. But uh, but here we are. It's it's nine nineteen, September the first. It's just over a day together. We, we met at eight twenty yesterday evening. So twenty five hours <laughs> since we uh, since we gathered together here for the first time. Amazing, eh? Yeah? How many uh, universes have we passed through (laughs) in the last 25 hours? How many different moods have we experienced? How long has the day been suddenly without conversation, just being with our our own mind, um, without distractions of of looking at the news, chatting with other people, hours filled with activity and, um, and work and engagement? So how many hours there are in a day starts to be revealed, and the different moods that we 've experienced, the different say feelings and, and perceptions that uh, that we, we witness uh, how much it can change and, and how radically how repeatedly during the course of the day so one, you know, one moment we 're the sort of enthusiastic and ardent meditator, and then the, the next moment we 're the whimpering. The whimpering heap. This sort of inner a, a kind of miserable uh lump of, of failure. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Why do I do this? I said never again last time. Why don't I ever remember that when I sign up? Yeah. Why do I do this to myself? This is all totally hopeless. Yeah. If through the the phases of the day, uh, the sitting down for the for the meal, uh, enjoying the food, then the, the experience of uh, being out doing the walking meditation, uh, out amongst other people, inspired and glad. This is so wonderful. This is great. This is the most marvellous thing. I, I love this. Buddhism is great. Amaravati is wonderful. Look at all these marvellous people. Uh, the kind of spiritual enthusiast you know inspired and delighted and then 6 hours later what do these people think they're doing this is totally ridiculous walking up and down like we're kind of in a nut house you know if anybody walked past if an, or, if an ordinary person walked past they'd think that we're completely crazy just a you know, bunch of idiots walking up and down like they've, they've they've you know they've dropped their contact lens in the grass and What are we doing? This is totally ridiculous. What a pointless sort of... Why do I do this? This is absolutely absurd. The kind of uh, narrow-minded rationalist. Uh, All through the day, these different kind of characters appear. The excited three-year-old, the critical rationalist, uh, the useless failed lump of misery... (laughs) The ardent meditator. Yeah, you know we can all sort of fill in the blanks as we we know our own our own minds. We have seen these different uh, moods and and forms take shape during the course of a day. So it's really important just to 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 be, say, establishing this quality of of, of wisdom, this quality of of watchful uh, awareness that. A heart that that receives and and uh, participates in, in all of these different uh, moods and modes of being, these different characters that uh, that we find ourselves uh, taking shape as, these different forms uh, that we're not trying to, to uh, grasp one identity and reject all the rest, you know, trying to be the ardent meditator and push away the 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 cranky three year old or the, the 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 critical cynic, uh, but rather to to let the heart fully know and be f- fully uh, aware of, to receive and to know and to to allow those patterns to to take shape and to listen to them, to know them, so that the heart is is I uh, say attending to that the flow of mood and the different patterns of inspiration, desperation, excitement, uh, criticism. Yeah, fear and and uh, contentment, so that there's a I say a a, um, a quality of of openness, of receptivity, uh, that there's a, a participation in all the different uh, aspects of experience. It's all taking shape and and crystallizing within the mind, but without entanglement, without getting caught up or identified with that. So that uh, uh, often I, I like to use the the mental image of the uh, inner committee. So often we think of ourselves as being one person. We got a we got a name, and you know, one you know, one name, one body, and uh, we tend to think of ourselves as a as single person. You know, this is who I am. But uh, internally, we are we're far more of a. Uh, I think it's more accurate to dis- to describe our internal experience of ourselves as a as a committee, and uh, around the the, com- the table. Uh, we have all these different members of the committee: the the, the grumpy three-year-old, the, the the bored cynic, the inspired, ardent meditator, the the, the, the um, uh, you know the whole crowd of them. Just like at a committee meeting, they're they're all in there around the table together, and that uh, we uh, the meeting works best if wisdom is given the uh, the role of being the chair. The chair, wisdom is the chair. If wisdom is the chairperson, then it'll be a great meeting. <laughs> uh, but uh, often it's the the, the the grumpy three-year-old or the uh, or the um, uh, the critical cynic that uh, that grabs the uh, that grabs the microphone and then tries to take over the meeting. But as long as wisdom is given the, the, uh, the, the role of, of the chairperson, mindfulness and wisdom, then we're able to, to listen to all those different voices, the, 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 the devouring eater. You know, when you're hungry at breakfast time after the morning sitting and you walk around the corner, this, if you come around this side, this where you, where it hits you. So walk around the corner and you can smell the, the breakfast smells from the kitchen and the, the, the devouring. <laughs> The devouring demon can can rise up. Ah, eat! <laughs> Breakfast, good. once, now? You know that the uh, very unspiritual. <laughs> but there it is. You know, this, when the body's hungry, then uh, the smell or the sight, the, uh, the presence of food can can rouse those primitive urges and. Seeing how you can mindfully walk as rapidly as possible to get to the front of the queue, you know like without anyone realizing that you're trying to get to the front of the queue, you know because that would be really unspiritual to be competing for the food with with others, but just to see the mind doing that, just to recognize well this yeah, this is the human dance this is this is how it takes shape, and here it is, so that uh that uh That quality of learning to respect all the different members of the committee and not trying to uh, identify with some and reject others and boot them out. They're they're all there. They all belong. We we experience all these different characters in in our minds. I'm not encouraging the development of a multiple personality disorder. Uh, but more just seeing how we we function as human beings, because in the course of a day, sometimes we're the parent, sometimes we're the child, sometimes we're the expert, sometimes we're the novice. You know, the these um, uh, different roles
0: uh,
1: are uh, are used by all of us in different ways during the course of, of the day, and so that uh, being able to recognise those roles, recognise those different identities as they rise up, take shape. And not to be buying into any of them, but to recognize: oh, you know, this is the voice of the the grumpy three-year-old. This is the voice of the uh, of the you know the wise and kind spiritual being. This is the the voice of the uh, the complaining cynic. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> and that that which knows uh, the the vo- those voices, that which can listen to them, that is the the quality of Buddha wisdom. That is the the refuge in Buddha is knowing, oh, that's that's the sound of this particular voice. That's the, the contribution of this character to the committee meeting. <laughs> that's what it is. It has this quality, this flavor, this texture. So the re- when there's a refuge in uh, in uh, Buddha, that's when mindfulness and wisdom, Satipanya, is in the, the, the role of the chair, is chairing the meeting. And so then uh, the all of those different voices can be integrated. They can, they can uh, say their piece, and uh, the the whole uh, array, the whole variety of experiences and attitudes, can can be held in a in a balanced and clear way. And during these first few days of a retreat, then it's it's natural for there to be a lot of different characters, a lot of activity, and and uh, different. Um, uh sort of restless uh, urgent uh thoughts and feelings bubbling up, just transferring from the the life of uh, your job and your family and your your travels to living in a quieter, more contained uh peaceful environment. It takes a few days for everything to just ramp down a bit, so we should expect there to be a bit of raucous activity in the committee room. <laughs> That's to be expected. This is normal. It's ordinary, and that, uh, but just to be patient and attending and listening, respectful, then uh, yeah, everything uh, starts to to settle and become more more balanced in in its own way, and in its own time. So, I offer these thoughts for consideration this evening. Please uh, take what is useful. So we can uh, close with a um, the reflections on universal well-being. I'll do the English version. That's on page forty-three.
0: May I abide in well-being, in freedom from affliction, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill-will, in freedom from anxiety, and may I maintain well-being in myself. May everyone abide in well being in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from anxiety, and may they maintain well being in themselves. May all beings be released from all suffering. And may they not be parted from the good fortune they have attained When they act upon intention All beings are the owners of their action And inherit its results Their future is born from such action Companion to such action and its results will be their home. All actions with intention, be they skillful or harmful, of such acts they will be the heirs.